You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Congratulations, you've just been handed a huge new opportunity. Bravo. With it comes the need for new skills, skills you'll need to master in short order. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you develop the hard and soft skills it takes to succeed in new roles. This is your chance. Go. Start by going to hbs.me go. That's hbs.me go. Hello and welcome. It's your Managing Madrid podcast for this week. Um, first week of 2018, not the first show of 2018, but the first um, everyone uh, Sunday show we're going to recap. This is your host, Gabe Lezra. I am joined by Kian Sovani uh, after I, what can, I can only describe as and uh, really deflating, unpleasant. I mean, not unpleasant, but like a de- very deflating match. Real Madrid goes to Balaidos, goes to Celta, and comes away with a draw that Celta, Celta pulled out at the last minute. Uh, 2-2. Um, so, Kian, I mean, how, <laughs> how are you doing? How's, I, I, uh, how's, how are you handling this? I'd say it was un- unpleasant. Was that the, you were saying it's kind of not unpleasant? No, I, I just thought it was unpleasant. Like, for the, if I were a neutral, I would have really liked this game. I just, yeah. I'm not a neutral, and the game was very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it is actually a good advertisement of of Spanish football. It's just, it was unpleasant for any Real Madrid fan. <laughs> um, I mean, the last, there's been a couple, this one, the, the Seville Derby for neutrals, anyone watching oh, La Liga from the outside, I'm sure they would have had, you know, a good time this weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I have a lot to say on the Seville Derby. Actually, I watched all of it. It, it was a great game. I'm very excited for the Betis. That was very cool. Betis won, obviously five, three. My theory, Keon, is that Montella actually not that good a coach. Just gonna toss it out there. That was my that was my thinking. Uh, but yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about um, Real Madrid because um, I mean, look, it didn't seem like Madrid could come back in the league anyways. But if there was ever any faint hope, that has certainly been erased at this point. Of course, I guess it's really it was hard to cling cling to like a month ago. It's harder to cling to now. I still have a rule if I make a prediction at the beginning of the season, I stick to it no matter how how unlikely it is, and I'm going to stick to it. But 
you know, my friend texted me before this, before or after the game, and I told you this before the podcast that he's like, you know, I'm just kind of over it. Like La Liga is so lost. Like I, I don't get my hopes up anymore. They're like, yeah, but I see that point of view. I, I, I definitely see it. But you just you want good performances, and that's the bottom line. Like you want, you want the team to go on a surge. You want to make sure it's convincing. You you want to make sure that right. right now we're three points ahead of Sevilla for fifth. It's. It's an embarrassing, embarrassing place to be. I mean, obviously with the game in hand, but who knows how that goes. I mean, I would also say that, like, we invest a lot of time into watching this team. So, like, yeah, I get the idea that, like, you can't get your hopes up about these matches, but that doesn't mean you can't want and be upset when uh, the team doesn't quite perform the way you're looking for. Just, like, in, in this match, like, we spend 90 minutes watching these games, and sure, like, even if Madrid had won, it wasn't, like they were going to jump right back into the title race, but it's still 90 minutes of our lives that we're trying to watch these sports to be entertained and to have, you know, excitement and and enjoyment. And these matches are pretty miserable (laughs) watching them when the team feels so unbalanced. And so like, it doesn't even believe in itself uh, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, it was, it's, I, I think that even when you're out of it, you want the team to go out there and put on a show because fundamentally what sports is is entertainment. And that, you know, this is not entertaining. I think one of the things, um, you, you tweeted after the game, you tweeted Marcelo's quote post-game. Um, yeah. And he was basically just kind of saying, like, you know, we're all kind of lost. We don't know what to do. We just kind of have to go up and show up every day and keep trying, and we don't know what else to do. And to me, that kind of was a worrying quote. Like, it worried you. For me, it kind of worried yep. me for another reason, was that it's not about just a matter of showing up and continuing to do no. what we're doing. It's The problem is exactly that, that we continue to do what we're doing. And it's, to me, I don't know, it, it seems like just reading the body language and, and the pressers, and normally I don't read too much into it because what Zidane says in the media, what the players say in the media, really are not always like what, what they say behind closed doors. But if this is kind of what they're saying, you know, the message is in the locker room, like we just got to keep going out there. We got to do it. There's a lot of tangible problems that we see that just need to be fixed. And it's not a matter of going out there doing it again. It's a matter of just completely flipping the switch and 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 revitalizing the system, revitalizing these things that Ramja did so good just a few months ago. They're not doing it anymore. And and the way to do that, I mean, I think maybe it's just that I was – looking for trying to read a solution into it. But like, it was such a dispiriting thing to see like the captain, one of the, you know, uh, last year's best players come out and say, look, I mean, I don't know what's wrong. Like, well, to be quite honest, Marcelo, like you were, you played a really bad game today. So it's not, that's not a comment I want from someone who, you know, (laughs) kind of had a, had a kind of shocker of a match. And maybe he doesn't think that. And that's fair. I just, if we have our, most important players to team morale and you know because he definitely is one of them right um coming out and saying stuff like well look we don't really know what to do we don't know what's going on we just have to keep rolling out there and eventually we'll fix it it's not it's not at all the the message that anyone wants them to be sending and it's the message of almost like it's almost a message of defeat which is really really upsetting because this 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 shouldn't be over like this not yet like and uh, and that's kind of where 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 I was reading into it. It just felt like maybe after that comment, it might be time for some real experimenting in La Liga matches to see like how can we how if 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 we can't flip the switch with the players that are out there right now, why not 
you know, why not have a, a couple matches where you roll out some of the kids and and really let them go? I mean, you know, the 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 of all the kids this season, the the one that has played the most is is, is Ashraf basically, and that, I mean, that right there to me screams is a big problem. Like, this, you know, you have these incredible and and really hungry kids on the bench who are desperate to go out and prove themselves and. You know, to be honest, like it didn't seem like at the end of this game, Madrid players were really there desperate to prove themselves and to to turn the result around. I mean, Marcelo didn't even get a cross in uh, when he knew that the, the referee was about to blow the whistle. Instead of trying to put a cross in, he tries to dribble someone and then gets caught up and then game over. I mean, he couldn't even smack the ball off the guy into corner. I just, it was just it felt like a giving up rather than a. I don't know, rather than the kind of attitude that you expect from a Zidane team. But it's, it's just staggering that Marcelo can come out and say that and knowing what he went through in this game, knowing that yeah. his entire life this game was miserable because of issues, of the things that they were doing themselves. Like it wasn't a matter of, oh, we just came out here, we had a plan, but Celta were better than us. You know, Celta were very good. Props to them. Um they are a good team. Like no one was saying they weren't, though, right? They are a very well coached team. They are really well put together. They've now held Madrid and Barca to draws in their last two games. They're good. No, yeah, and but but I that's just... but that's the thing. Like they're good. Yeah. But you also put them in positions to be good, and like you know, <laughs> you know there were there was for example the game against Las Palmas where um, Las Palmas had a lot of opportunities on the on the counter and plenty of space in transition. A bar the same thing. Um, and that was a trend this season. And, you know, I mentioned this to Alexandra in the preview podcast. And I said, right. if those things are done against Celta, against a trio that is completely on fire this season, they're not going to be so forgiving. They're going to actually punish us. And they did. And yep. to put them in a position where, first of all, I, I think the Marcelo thing is, there's, I think there's a few angles that need to, you need to look at it from. One is that we always knew Marcelo wasn't a perfect defender. Um, anybody's had right. moments over the years, especially when he just went and surged last season and was amazing and unplayable offensively and in, impossible to deal with from if you're an opponent. And even then, he had some really good moments defensively. Um, but he didn't completely like get that out of his game. And there were definitely some shocking gambles he took today. But at the same time, why is... Why is nobody helping him? And that was the confusing part to me. Because you look at the, the right flank, and Atraf, who got a lot of criticism in this game, like, okay, fine. Um, his pace made up for a lot of things defensively where he just, him and Varane got right. back and just got there and were able to snap out some of Sisto's attacks. He also got a lot of help from Modric on the right flank. Marcelo didn't have any of that help from Kroos. And totally. Kroos... To me, again, is still the elephant in the room. Not because he doesn't do great things when he has the ball, but because defensively, he jogs back. Even if he's the last stopgap and yep. he's the guy who needs to stop the play, he's still jogging. And Isco, you know, he's not always there. We don't know where he's going to be on any defensive sequence. So um, Marcelo is just by himself. And that is, you know, blame Marcelo for a lot of things. But I don't blame him for being so alone and, and having to kind of cope with yeah. all this. No, I think that the, the right things to blame Marcelo for are some of the uh, lackadaisical um, uh, running back where, 
you know, maybe Madrid is in transition. It's not clear who's going to end up with per, per, uh, possession. So Marcelo kind of cheats forward. And then suddenly, like as happened over and over in this match, I'll also say, Celta just would win a 50-50 ball. And then Marcelo, who was cheating forward, is suddenly way, way out of position because there was no Modric on his side of the field to step into that space. Yeah. Uh, and at least like hold the play back for Marcelo to sprint back. Yeah. It was just suddenly like the player on his side was released into space, and, and there was a huge break on. And you know, Varane or or Nacho had to had to cover for him on that side. I mean, uh, I I actually think that one of the things that people I, I think people were getting on Varane and Nacho like a little bit more than they needed to because it's very hard to play as a center back when you're not getting very much help from your wings. And mm-hmm. I mean, Madrid just got owned on the wings today. The the only you know, person I thought was even acceptable on the wings was, was Modric basically. And it was in defense of, you know, Ashraf who is still a kid and, and improving and, and just was just absent a lot. And yeah. it's just tough with Marcelo because you get the sense that he, he was really dangerous when he would get the ball on offense, but there was just acres of space. And it was just classic Marcelo defensive issues from that. He's had his entire career and, uh, I thought we'd gotten past it, or at least designed a system that would, you know, muffle that problem. And it was it was not at all muffled or or anything today. I mean, it's it felt like everybody was bad. I, everybody is probably harsh, but let's just say for the sake of this argument, it just felt like everybody was bad and everybody suffered because of it. And and people just were it was just domino effects. And you look at, I was running the management of Twitter account today and during the game and. A lot of criticism towards Keylor Navas, which, um, you know, I put out a tweet, you know, just kind of pra- praising it for his his penalty save, and a lot of the comments, was, some of the comments were talking about how he shouldn't have committed the penalty in the first place. And I'm looking at that and saying, like, look at the position he was in. How can you be upset at him for making a decision? It's impossible. That, yeah, it. I mean, look, he has to stop Aspas from getting through, and he's either gonna get there or not, or he's going to get the man or something's going to happen. And he gambled and he saved the penalty, like props to him. But how many times was Kaler put in a position where the defense just in front of him just collapsed? Like the first goal, no, no one was there. Like he was just chipped and maybe you could argue he should have been on his line. Fine. But like all those things had consequences. And you look at all the way up to the pitch in the attacking third, the press was really bad and it was broken. It was disjointed. And you then, it was so easy for Celta to bypass that, and all of a sudden, there's all this space that that Celta can just yeah just warp through. And I mean, I actually thought that in in the first chunk of minutes, the press actually looked quite good, and that Celta they get they got a little bit lucky on occasion with getting through the press. But regardless, that that should have been an indication to Madrid that the press, even if playing it well, is is going to get broken from time to time and they need to be prepared to deal with what was, I think, quite a strong uh, uh, counterattack, especially, I thought, Sisto, who uh, really an incredible player and he just kind of, he's the real deal and he was beating up on Madrid on that left flank and then I wouldn't even say that Voss was particularly good in this match other than the fact that he was essentially given open reign on the right to to run havoc. And then Iago Aspas, as he does, and is his sort of game, he just wanted that more than any of the players on Madrid, basically. He's an incredible player when it comes to that, 
that drive that we talk about, that fire that we talked about Ceballos having over the over the summer. Iago Aspas has got that absolutely all over him. And like you could tell how, how much he wanted it by when he dove for that penalty. He should probably have been given a yellow card in the second that at the, the very end when he dove past Marcelo. Uh, he was so upset that he rushed to the referee after the game was over to complain about it. And I mean I can't fault him for that because he, he in the moment he feels like he had done enough to get the call. And you know what? I I wish that some of the Madrid players had some more of that fire because maybe with, with some of that fire in their belly, these guys wouldn't <laughs> let the season get to the state that it was already. But yeah, I mean, I, think I don't that know, man. Actually, I, that's actually an amazing, really important point because I often think about like people are like, OK, well, we need to shake things up. We need to bring this player and that player. Um, which, by the way, in my opinion, I think we have all the tools we need in this current squad um, in terms of key pieces. And but but I was thinking about like the bench and how we haven't really used them much. And especially if you go deep down the roster, and you talk about Ceballos and Llorente and these guys. Um, and I was thinking about all the issues and and how it all seems preventable. And a lot of it is schematic. I think more so than personnel. Because these tactics are just bonkers. It doesn't make sense, a lot of these things that Real Madrid are doing. But at the same time, you look, you talk about the fire, which is such an intangible thing. Just look at look at the examples today. We talked about the first goal. Look at the second goal. Like it's, It was yeah. just p- the pure will of Aspas and Maxi. Aspas yep. drags in two defenders, frees up space for Maxi. And who's jogging behind him, Lucas Vasquez, who I, I would have never pictured him to be the one doing that. Yeah. But Maxi Gomez just wants to get there, you know, quite frankly, he just wanted it more. Like, I know it's kind of it's like a silly, like, cliche thing to say in sports, but, but a lot maybe, maybe Ceballos is that guy who, who you want to go to war with and he would put the team on his shoulders and, and, and at least fight, you know? Angel Di Maria used to have that. I mean, I remember that was one of the big criticisms we used to have of Ozil. I thought that, you know, he is the classic example of that, like extremely talented. But as soon as like things get a little bit tough, there was that kind of throw your hands up thing. And it felt like the entire team other than, you know, maybe Isco and Bale were doing that today. And, you know, that's yeah. I mean, I don't even know you know what to say, because like, frankly, you know, I thought that the Isco and um, uh, uh, Modric sub was going to be a, a smart move to kind of lock in the defense and. Uh, that 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 um, Lucas Vazquez was going to really bring some cover, uh, and that Kovacic was a really strong defensive option. But nothing changed when they came in the match. It didn't seem like they were the spark in that midfield that was necessary. And then, I mean, you know, Bale ran out of gas. He has been injured all season, and by minute 65 or so, he was flagging. And I think Zidane should have seen that and gotten someone in for him earlier because. I mean, he he was he played an incredible game, but the truth is, he's just his conditioning isn't there yet. And I think we knew that going into this. And the fact that Asensio didn't come on until the last ten minutes or so, real real issues there for me. I I just I mean, and also look, Cristiano Ronaldo just it's not himself. I don't know I don't know what is going on with him, but it's, shocker from him on on a lot of occasions. It's I mean, it's hard to diagnose it. Um... Other than kind of just to say age, and <laughs> eventually, yeah. eventually, like we just see our favorite players decline, and you know it's naive of us to sit here and say Cristiano's declining because I feel like we have this conversation every year, and every year he goes and turns into a unicorn in the springtime. But 
this is this is a long ass funk. You know, uh, Dermot Corrigan put out a tweet today after the game, and he said, yeah. "This is the first time in history, in Real Madrid's history, that no team has, no player has scored more than four goals um, at this point of the season." I mean, it's crazy yeah. statistic. Bale probably would have gotten there if he played consistently. Um, he has been. Um, he and Isco have been Real Madrid's best players when they're both playing, and I think. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I would. I would give a shout out to like Baran, who I think overall has been yeah, amazing. Yeah, also. I think like Asensio, yeah. Asensio's has been pretty good. Like, you know, in the minutes also, he's yeah. played, yeah. But I think like in a, in a time where you really need goals desperately, Bale. Yeah. I mean, Bale is a savior in that sense. He's a hero because no one else is clinical like he is right now at this moment. Yeah. And I think the yeah. other two who, who do put the ball in the net for you, apart from Ronaldo and Benzema are basically Isco and Asensio. Yeah. Yep. I'm just, honestly, this is, it's just, it's tiresome and, and upsetting. <laughs> I don't know how else well, to even it's, talk it's because about we, like, It's because generally we, we talk about the same issues every week. That's, that's why it's kind of, it's, it's frustrating, you know? Like, it's like, it's yeah. like we tried, yeah. there are certain things that we bring fresh to the table, like new problems every week, but the general problem <laughs> is the same. Yeah. And I mean, this is the, not the first time, but this is becoming a theme, this lack of fire. Um, and it's why Madrid has been, has outscored teams in the first half of games this season, but generally hasn't in the second half. And that, it's not just a conditioning thing, though. That might be an issue. I don't really know why that is happening. But the second half of games is also when the team that, that comes into the match feeling like this is life or death, we have to do this now, is that's when that team tends to take more control. And Madrid just hasn't been that team essentially at any point in this season. And that, uh, you know, I just don't. Yeah, I mean. I just don't know how to deal with some of this stuff. <laughs> shout out to bail though for a second like apart from the obvious yeah. the gold and 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 all that um there was this moment in the first half which i thought kind of like encapsulated his performance in a nutshell was it wasn't just the goals it was the energy it was the flair it was just kind of like he took on a leadership role and i remember in the first half when Salto were getting a nice string of, of possession Pione Sisto was starting to do things on that flank and Sisto was high up the pitch and bail ran all the way while he was spearheading the attack with Ronaldo in the press, he ran back, dispossessed Sisto, started a counter, and sprinted all the way back on the counterattack and met the header to try to score the goal. And, you know, that's the kind of leader Real Madrid needs right now. Yeah, exactly. I thought also Isco and, um, Isco and Kroos, like, we pick a lot of bones with them defensively. The Kroos... To assist on the on Bale's was a first goal was brilliant. I don't know, I can't remember if it was his first. Yeah. Or second oh goal. man, it was beautiful. It must have been first because East Coast got the second time. assist. Yeah, in the first goal. Yeah, East Coast second assist also great. I mean, they were just both beautiful passes straight up the center, and just Bale's pace on that first goal was beautiful. Couldn't have done a better shot. It's the most clinical finishing we've seen from any Madrid player this season. Uh, Bar none. I mean, no one is hitting the, was was hitting the ball anything like the way Bale was, and like that's two in a row where Madrid just looked actually like the team that could outscore anyone last season. And Bale Bale is a hugely important part of the offense because of the threat he gives vertically as well as horizontally. And as a you know clinical nine, the way he was. I mean, that first goal was a Ronaldo goal. 
Like, not this Ronaldo. I mean, original Ronaldo. Like, he's just played in. He beats the guy with his pace and could then the absolute perfect pa- perfect shot on goal. Yeah. It's the classic nine finisher, right? Yeah. And, and you know, that's what Madrid has at- genuinely lacked a lot of this season. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so let's uh, – I mean, I don't know if you I'm, – I'm looking for my notes right now. I don't have – I mean, like, I have a lot of notes like – uh, man, I like Sisto, and I can't. You know, it feels like Madrid is winning every 50-50 ball. I also talk, I also wanted to mention that it was one of the things that the press does do well sometimes is force the team that the Madrid is playing to to get it back to the keeper and, and have the keeper take a boot up field. And I normally think of that as a win because Madrid is quite good at, generally at winning those aerial balls. So if a team can pass out of the back, then it's then it's less more complicated for Madrid. But if the keeper is smacking it upfield. Uh, Madrid should be winning those balls most of the time. They have a strong, big team that's good in the air. And man, were they not doing that. It felt like every ball was being brought down by Gomez or, or Yaspas or, uh, you know, anyone else. Like it was, it, it, it just felt like anytime, you know, Celta was booting the ball up the field, they were getting an attack out of it, which is, it can't happen. It can't, that can't happen. I mean, how many times did Casemiro sit in our own third and just give the ball away when he didn't need to? Like to the point where I was every time he had the ball back there, I was sweating. I, it yeah. this was like a classic Casemiro like problem game. Whereas he's he goes through he goes through these spells and like you know he's brilliant at times and and also does these things where you just you can't rely on him. And I think that's one of the reasons where that yeah, and they didn't want to pass to him. They were just like at this point, this guy's giving up the ball all the time. He's not an effective outlet for us. Yeah, I mean the other, the only other note I really had. I think that we have that questions won't cover is um, Ashraf had a couple really nice. I mean, I mean, thing the thing with playing with Modric on the flank, I imagine that's got to be a footballer's dream. Like he, Modric does so much to make you look good. Um, yeah, he'll cover for you Great, defensively. Yeah. He'll always be there to bail you out as an outlet pass when you have no one else to pass to. Um, he'll make plays. He'll he's comfortable in tight spaces. He'll he'll just make you look good. Um, and I thought he did that with Ashraf this in this game. Um, yeah. And, and I think there was criticism for Ashraf, but I think he would have gotten even more criticism if not from Modric doing oh, a lot man, of work yeah. on that flank. But I think oh. there were a couple times where Ashraf got a lot of space on the flank and he had an opportunity to, to do something. And his crossing, it, I, you know, disclaimer, I really love this kid, but his crossing is like you put a blindfold on him and you just ask him to like hit a target anywhere, and that's yeah. what it feels like watching him try to play. I totally. I was. I was actually going to make essentially the same point, and and I don't think you can, you know, that that we. I don't think it's fair to say that we don't love Ashraf because like we we we're huge fans of this kid. We we are, but like it's really hard to be a 19 year old and go from Castilla to to first yeah. team Real Madrid, yeah. and. He what he does well. He's he has shown off like flashes of this absolute brilliance. He's got great pace. He does seem to have good defensive instincts generally. Although I will notice that that one there was a point uh, in the in the second half <laughs> where Celta was was coming in. Sisto had the ball. Ashraf went in to close him, and then Varan came as help. And then Varan was pointing like he's going that way. He's going that way. He's going that way. Yeah. And uh, he went that way, and and Ashraf bit in and just got just got beat by despite the fact that Baran was telegraphing where Ashraf needed to be uh that was infuriating it was like listen to Baran <laughs> he's really good um yeah I th- yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that is... actually yeah go ahead 
No, 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 no. I was just going to say, actually, that the real issue with Ashraf has been that he is actually a little bit of a black hole offensively. His crosses are almost universally off target and nowhere near the person that they, he needs to find. And, you know, the the best thing he does, and I think Modric began to notice that, is recycle the ball. So, like, he can bring the ball up a lot. But then he he really, I don't want him crossing the ball ever. I want him recycling it back to Modric. And by the end of the match, that's what he was doing more because his crossing was, whoa. Yeah. I just felt like everyone was overhit, basically. No, I think... Um... And he also just hasn't had confidence beating his man consistently. And that was a thing that he could do at Castilla and he just hasn't been able to do yet this season. Yeah. And um but again, like I think defensively, like no one was really a standout today. I think Varane and Nacho probably low key were good given the circumstances and given how much they had to deal with on their own and the space they had to deal with. Um you know, I've yeah. written about Ashraf's defensive IQ before. I think it's it's definitely better than what people give him credit for. I think he's really good defensively, or at least has tools to to that 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 have shown us he's going to be a really good defender in the future. I think one of the interesting things about him, though, is that a lot of his defensive things that he does is he's out of position, and you kind of mentioned that Baran thing and and kind of telling him where to go. A lot of the things he does defensively are just his pace getting back into position. And that that's what's interesting yeah. about him is that when he makes the wrong decision, he can just flip on a you know, flip on a switch, put the jets on and just get back in like in record time. And there was a couple moments in this I mean he had the most tackles out of anyone in the field or out of anyone in Real Madrid um in this game. And um, it's also because Delta was targeting him. They were going at him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's the thing, like he he will deal with a lot. So he's going to be put under the microscope for that reason because he's constantly like in in the middle of a barrage of attacks. Yeah, I think generally yeah. he de- deals well with it, though. Yeah, no, I, I I actually do think that he's performed better than I even expected. Just because I think everyone expected way too much of him. He's, <laughs> I mean, the right call for him was definitely to have Madrid bring in another right back and him to go out on loan, and that didn't happen. <laughs> mm. I was hoping that. You know, Madrid would get out this uh, offseason and go grab, you know, Ozgothola and Kepa, and, and then maybe Ashraf could go out on loan next year. And that that was the progression that would have been something that I would have been really into. But, you know, I, I don't even know if that's going to happen after the way Zidane, I think, really, really wrongheaded and dumb comments about the transfer window um, for the weekend. So, so you don't. Um, so that I actually kind of interested to ask you about that. Um, yeah. Did you, did you just did you just think it just sends the wrong message or? Oh, I think it's. I think it was one of the the yeah. But first of all, it does send the wrong message, because it did seem like not only does it seem like Madrid um, are about to sign Kepa, it, it it seems everything all the reporting on this can is suggested that Madrid are going to go ahead and do it anyways, and it's really hard to come back from a comment like that with a player who's coming in like as a young prospect. Like you can't say stuff like that i just don't understand like where that is coming from other than as a actual way to try to shut the signing down because there's no other explanation for that comment to be to be frank like kepa was no no one was expecting kepa to come in immediately as as a replacement for uh you know for kaylor but he was coming in as a replacement for kiko who was then gonna go and leave and maybe be a first team you know keeper somewhere and I, 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 it was a perfectly legitimate and, and smart switch, and and to to come out and say that stuff only indicates to me that he doesn't 
that he's trying to shut down the the signing, but it's possible Madrid will go and do it anyways. Uh, and then Madrid's also been linked with Odriozola, who's a real deal, really good young kid. And if he says the same stuff, I just don't know how that kid is going to be able to come into the squad. I just, I'm really, really upset about those comments, guys. It was, it's not, it's just not the way you handle a potential, but you bring, like bringing in a, a kid like Kepa. I just, I mean, Kian, you're also a big fan of Kepa's. <laughs> like we're on the same, we're on the same side on this. I mean, I really like Kepa. I think, you know, I tweeted this like almost just before Zidane said that, just saying how much I like the sign for obvious reasons, not just, because, too. just because, not just because his talent, but his price tag is reasonable given his contract situation and all that. Oh. Um, I don't know. My guess is that he, <laughs> I don't know. My guess is that he doesn't want to make Kiko either uncomfortable or, or kind of, take his confidence down if he needs to rely on him before Kepa comes you know he's been, always been a political coach politically cor- you know correct coach yeah. kind of guy mm-hmm. like just doesn't say much shoots on everything on, unless it's official so that's that's kind of shut like, up that's what you should have done <laughs> just like it just it's like no I'm not going to talk about that it's better better answer mm-hmm. um but yeah that was my my feeling and like I the second is like to be honest I don't know how you can watch Madrid and think that Kiko is a legitimate, you know, replacement level keeper. And not only is he older than Kaler, he's also just not as he's not quite he's not really even at B team level. Like he we've talked about it all year that when this team when Kaler was out, this team really suffered and, and Kiko was just not the it's just not the same level. And I mean, one of the things that was really impressive about Kaler, just to to bring this all back, is out of the twenty penalties that have been given against uh, Real Madrid he has saved 11 of them and he is one of the best keepers in the world at stopping penalties he is he was a master for it he that was one of the reasons that Madrid signed him was because he brought Costa Rica through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup basically based entirely on his ability to to, to stop penalty kicks um I definitely do agree about the Kiko Casilla point not being a just uh, honestly, I watching Castilla play and watching Castilla. I wouldn't start him in Castilla. I would, you know, we have no. we have Bellman with Castilla, who's been who's been really good this season. I I, I would honestly probably start Bellman over or at least take a gamble on him. But um, that's that's just, how there's no upside from Kiko, and he's not good. Like he's just not that good. So, but I think that's the, <laughs> also the the also the other point. It was when people are complaining and saying we don't need a goalkeeper we need a striker and there are actually people who do believe that but i don't understand it's the, that it's the all, fact but... that you don't get a drop off with Kaler um and have to rely on kiko in a big game if if Kaler can't go and having kepa there is is a massive massive boost to the squad like no matter how much you spin it yeah and now it, i mean it's very possible that at the end of the season, Madrid will want to go out and get if they don't bring in Kepa now, and even if they do, it's possible they'll just say, you know, allow Kiko or allow uh, Kayla to leave and go grab someone else, and that's fine too. I just, I'm, I'm honestly just bamboozled by, <laughs> by this because like, I, 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 I think that if you're having a candid discussion with Zidane, he would admit that. I hope that he would admit that K- that Kiko isn't quite at the level. I just, um. Yeah. I don't know. I was really discouraged, Keon. That's what. That's why I was like, 
that's why I was so upset about it because it's such a discouraging thing because basically the papers were reporting and it seemed like not only was this deal done, it was Kepa has had his physical, like he is signing, like that is it. So, yeah, I I can only imagine that Zidane's probably had a conversation with Kepa and saying, hey, like this is this is our reality and this is you know what we say in the press is not necessarily what we what we reflect in in closed doors. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's, I don't know how much more we can talk about it. Yeah, I think that's basically <laughs> it. All right, let's uh, jump into some questions. We've got a number of guaranteed patron uh, questions we need to get to. Um, as you might imagine, you guys are all kind of generally not super psyched about the way things are going, which is totally fair. Um, I think let's just start here. Ramin Nagy asks us, uh, why in the world would any coach continue with a system that hasn't worked since August? We need a drastic tactical change, not new signings or a new coach. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Kian? Um, it's it's starting to really it's starting to pile up now. Like it's we have enough sample size now to know that the problem was real. When at first we could we weren't sure. We were saying, you know, we need we don't know. Like the team will click into gear. The team will start finishing. Ronaldo and Benzema will start scoring. Gareth Bale will be healthy. Um, Tony Kroos will go back to his best. All this. Now we have a sample size to say, look, this is actually a problem. Um, I think the problem is also that I'm not sure how Zidane sees the problem. And because he hasn't done anything to remedy it. And I think that's what worries you. I don't think he goes anytime soon. I think if if he goes, it would be because this nightmare continues until the end of the season. Um, yeah. But I don't think he's going to go anytime before that. Um, then the new signings, like, again, in the summertime, I imagine there will be. In the winter, it still makes no sense to me because right now it's not about him having signings or not because he's not even using his whole squad. That, you know, Ceballos right. could be. Ceballos right. could be a new signing, theoretically, if you used him. And you. One of the interesting things was when you watched that Betis game against Sevilla and. and um, how Fabian kind of turned into this, you know, figure that replaced Sabios as the guy who puts the team on his back, who loves Betis, and that was Sabios a year ago, and I'm sure he would have loved to be a part of that, and he just hasn't been a part of anything here, and I think that that's, you know, he'll never admit it. I think he he's definitely frustrated. Like I, I always thought, even back last season, I thought he was the type of guy who this is the type of guy who with the Spain under twenty one squad, he literally just stopped talking to. Denis Suarez in the dressing room because Denis Suarez, through no fault of his own, was starting over him. You know, that stuff matters to him. And I think he's the type of player we've barely seen. And sometimes we've seen him, you know, in the Copa, and he hasn't been that great, but other times he's been really good. And he just needs to play and just... <laughs> I I, th- I think him, he, does, he is though. a signing. Be- Gareth Bale's health, if he's healthy, he is a new signing. It's a signing. Yeah. Right. I, that's why I, mean, I don't like, think anyone comes into the summertime. What do go out and get Ed, Eden Hazard right now? Where the fuck does he play then? What What do you want? Like, what he he just comes in for Isco and like because that's the, the position that he'd have to play. Like, why? Like, what is the point? Or we go and get Harry Kane for two hundred and fifty million euros right now and can't play in the Champions League? Why? What's the point of that? Like, it just I don't I don't see any reason for this. I I think the only signings I would make are the two I've already mentioned, Kepa and Odriozola. Both make sense as uh, signings right now, uh, and both make sense for reasons that are beyond just can the team come back in La Liga. They make sense as long term signings. 
they make sense is immediate and substantial upgrades to the bench. They, uh, Pepa is a huge upgrade over Kiko Garcia, and Odriozola is a huge upgrade over Ashraf. This is a this is a win win. Like I just that that is the only two things I would do though. I wouldn't mess around because you have an actually really deep talented team. It just happens to be younger. <laughs> like people uh, also forget, you know, Asensio. This is a kid who, if you couple him with Mbappe and Dembele, like in that age group, are the three most exciting players of the future to me, like when healthy. Um, and that is essentially a guy, like if you sign Hazard now, which obviously would not happen, but just in a theoretical situation, Isco probably loses his spot and, and then Asensio gets pushed down. Like, I don't I don't know if that is a solution in anyone's world, to be honest. Like, unless you, you start him over Benzema, then fine. And then you have this, this weird trio of Hazard and Ronaldo and Bale would be kind of cool. I think you can make it work. But I'd watch the crap out of that. But, like, it doesn't mean that – I don't know. I'm just – I'm a little tired of some of, the, some of the calls because I just don't see what you're looking for. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, Raulzin uh, Dos Santos wants us to um, talk about Zidane. So I feel as if everyone is going to blame Zidane for this result, but that doesn't seem right to me. Zidane has tried everything he tried last season and nothing works. People will say that he should be fired, but really, who else is there to replace him? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think he should be fired now. Um, I, I also agree that there's not an obvious replacement coach to just bring in, right? Like, you know, there we Ohm and I discussed a number of possible options for coach uh, eventually when Gabe or when when Zidane leaves, but you know, there Madrid, there are two two tournaments that madrid could conceivably win still this season and if he wins another tournament i just i think it's really hard to even consider consider getting him getting him out you know just because he's had kind of a catastrophic league season doesn't mean that it's time to get rid of a rid of the coach so um i think i I, I would also sorry gabe um no i i disagree with the idea that he has tried everything I think he has yeah. the problem is he's he's keeps trying the same formation that blitzed everyone at the end of last season which worked really well. But he hasn't tried all the other things that have also worked well. He hasn't tried that amazing formation in the Calderon last season, the counterattacking scheme with Ronaldo up top and Bale and Isco playing amazing and Kovacic just controlling the entire midfield. We haven't seen um, the diversity of counterattacking schemes and narrow schemes that we saw last season, um, the 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 uh, the amazing counterattack we saw in Dortmund last season, like we haven't seen all these things that kind of w- were kind of cool and they worked really well. We haven't seen um, those away games where we see a bunch of um, bench players come in and and some of that is justified because we don't have Hamas and Morata, but we have Ceballos and we have. Mayoral, I think we correct me if I'm wrong. We did it a couple times. We won in, in Mendizorosa against Alaves. We yeah. Um, there was another one. I think we won. I can't remember and which at one. At Real, right? At Real, at Real so Sociedad, where Mayoral. I like. I think there's a lot that he hasn't tried. So I, I think the problem is he looked at that. Be like, okay, we blitzed through Bayern, Atleti, Juve, and Napoli, and we did it this way. Uh, although the Napoli one was a bit different, but we did it this way. And these are the best teams in the world. So we obviously have to just keep doing this. And I think that that is kind of, it's kind of worrying. Like you need to be able to adapt as a manager. 
Um, it's kind of the reasons why, you know, Mourinho drove us nuts and Mourinho is still doing the same things. It's it, like some of these coaches, like, that you just have to continue to evolve. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, Guardiola is having so much success with City is that you look at his tactics and every year it evolves. It's not the same thing. Um, so I'm not saying that Zidane should just continue completely abandon things, but I think there's definitely some things that he hasn't tried and there's things yeah. that he's tried in the past that he hasn't tried again that have worked in the past. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, all right, Shay Katiri uh, uh, asks us, uh, I know that this season has uh, that this season hell has broken loose on us, but on a happy note, two or three seasons from now, when Vallejo is experienced, Casemiro has evolved a little, and Marcelo hasn't begun to decline yet, <clears throat> there won't be any team which can break defense. Um, so, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I don't know if that that's a nice and optimistic, and I hope that's true. Um, I would love to see Casemiro evolve, um, and I, I'm hopeful that Marcelo hasn't declined yet, but he might be. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm all in on Vallejo too. So uh, he continues. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Keon sees in Llorente, <laughs> especially after his mistake against Numancia, and I can't find anybody other than Keon who finds something worthy in him. <laughs> Some fighting words, Keon. Do you want to like? direct Shay to some of the I, I gotta tell you I know there are a lot of people who see a lot in Llorente I also am a big Llorente fan so I don't really I don't really agree with this but I'm Keon if you want to step in I mean you can't Shay Khatiri Mr. Khatiri like you can't in the, in, in the same paragraph say if Casemiro evolves a little and then and then say you don't see anything in Llorente because he gave the ball away against Numancia. Uh, that's the biggest problem is that um, this is essentially like what Casemiro has been doing for so long. And if you expect him to evolve a little, which he has a little bit, and if you expect him to evolve more, then you have to expect Marcos Llorente, 21-year-old, who has barely played, who was one of the best defensive midfielders in La Liga last season. And this season when he's played, he's been out of position, quite frankly. I think once he's played in a single pivot, the rest has been in a double pivot. He's also been playing higher up the pitch. It's not his game. Um, he needs to play in a single pivot, and he needs to have. Um, he, he, you know, he's he's an anchor. And I, I to be honest, I didn't watch the Numancia game. It was the first Real Madrid game I've missed in like years, and it was because I was on a plane. When I came down, I asked, kind of asked how people, and a lot of people thought Yorante played well, and but they also said he made this big mistake. But I, I looked, I did look at the lineup and the scheme, and I noticed he was again in a double pivot and. If you're ha- going to have patience for Vallejo to come good in three years, for Casemiro to evolve, for Marcelo to to continue his you know his form from last season, then you gotta you gotta stick to your guns. You gotta apply it across the board, and you gotta be patient with Yorente too. Agreed. Um, and he ends up. What breed is Logan? <laughs> I can't believe it took me so long to ask. Uh, yeah, so Logan is a DC brown dog. He is a mutt. We don't know what he uh, what he is exactly, but he has a lot of random breeds in him. We think you know yellow lab. We think probably some pit bull. There's definitely some Rhodesian Ridgeback because he gets this really big ridge when he gets excited. But yeah, he's um he's a uh, he's a DC brown dog, and that's uh that's what's on all of his papers. So <laughs> has he? I haven't heard him make an appearance in this podcast yet. No, he's probably chilled out because it's so cold out and he got a long walk right before the show. So <laughs> I did see his outfit. That was a good excuse to wear that. 
It was a great excuse. He it was we bought it for him when he was a little puppy, and it was way too big for him back then. And uh, he's grown into it, and actually, it's still a little big for him. But uh, yeah, he hates it. So I don't I don't know if we'll be going with that again. Hopefully, it won't be this cold again though. Um, all right, last question from our guaranteed patrons. Uh, Thomas Berg asks us. Um, and this is, I think, uh, I'm going to try to uh, um, summarize the points that Thomas is making because uh, uh, I'm doing my best. Uh, how is it possible that so many players um, uh, lose the ball and then kind of stroll casually back? Um, so uh, he said it happens a lot today, especially because, um, and I totally agree with this, actually. One of the things that you teach first in coaching, right? So he says, kids I coach have learned the difference between a drop ball and a lost ball. But these million, these multimillionaires don't seem to care to fight when times are rough. So, um, how and so, and I think that that your the question is, have the players lost faith in Zidane, or why don't they bother to fight? So I think that is a really good question. Ultimately, I don't. I also agree that one of the things that we noticed a lot in this game was a lot of jogging after after lost balls, which is a real cardinal sin um, in in all levels of coaching. Like if you you know lose a ball, like or misplace a pass or, or just get overpowered, you sprint back and get into position. And this is just, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. So Kian, do you think that this is an issue with losing faith in Zidane? It's an interesting question. Uh, I don't think, I mean, it's really hard for anyone to kind of come up with that idea because, because we all know Zidane's character. We all know how much he's loved. Um, one of Zidane's biggest trait, you know, the old cliche with him is that he's a motivator, not a tactician. But these things um, that we're speaking of are motivational issues, are they not? Like, yeah, like we, it's it's almost weird, and I always feel really weird critiquing footballers on basic things because I'm like, how can I see it, and how can how can they not? Then maybe maybe I'm the one missing something because it just it's so obvious that it's almost too obvious, but. That's kind of the argument you bring forth in terms of a personnel change is 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 why why is Lucas Vasquez and why is Tony Kroos jogging back? Yeah. Surely that can't be schematic, can it? Because no. that's a judgment no. call you have to make in a game to save a goal. It's not like oh Zidane told me that I need to conserve my energy. No, you need to save the goal like that. That's it. And yeah, I don't know how such a fundamental thing is lost, and I don't know how it can't be recognized. That. That part to me is so obvious that it's almost too obvious, and it's it's kind of messing yeah. with me a bit. All right, um, I I agree with all that. I don't have anything to add because I I don't know what the answer is. If I knew, then I would be a lot, lot better paid. Um, <laughs> uh, but here, okay, so so from our non guaranteed patrons, there's one question I wanted to ask because I actually have been asking myself this a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, it's from Sajid Riaz, and he is asking essentially look, we're being linked with all these people where we'd have to pay ludicrous sums of money to get someone who's probably going to be cup-tied or, or whatever. Why aren't we considering uh, Alexis Sanchez, who probably could be gotten for quite cheap right now and uh, who ends his contract in June, and if we like him, we can keep him for just a contract renewal? And mm-hmm. I actually think that's a really good point. If you want any attacker, there is a guy out there who would – really, really help this team. Alexis is a totally difference-making player. You saw what he used to do for Barcelona off the bench. I was so happy when he left Barcelona to go somewhere else because he is—he really is a, a difference-maker 
um, off the bench starting. I I would love it. I think that's the only attacking player I would consider signing. I know that he's cup tied, but even for La Liga, even for the Copa, I think it, it'd be great to have him. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Oh, actually, he's no, he is cup tied, right? Because he played in the UEFA Cup. In the yeah, I don't know. He, it, I don't know. In how the that Europa works. League, I it think still so. carries over. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Europa League. God, it's the my old kid self remembering UEFA. Anyway, so yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, I gotta confess, I don't hate the signing. I don't hate the idea of it. I I like Alexis. Um, I always, I'm 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 with you. I, I I was happy he left Barca. I really was, and um, he's the type of player that I'd love to go to war with. I we've just yeah. never been linked to him, so just you know, I I just I for some reason I just don't think Real Madrid are even looking at him. I, I don't know why. I don't know why that's the answer, but. There's a lot of baffling stuff going on, and that's just another thing to add to the pile of things that are absolutely baffling about this season is that why Real Madrid aren't even considering Alexis, who's been a huge difference maker throughout his whole career. If they're looking for goals, this is a dude who can score them. Like it, literally, that's all he does. He runs at people and scores goals. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a little fed up because, Kian, I was so positive about this season going into it, given how I think it was actually quite a strong summer and um, it's just uh, kind of gone to crap a little bit. So we have to be – I try to keep hopeful, but it's kind of hard to in the current environment. I'll, yeah. I'll just say that. Look, I mean, the future of the, uh, the future outlook of the team is unbelievably good. Like, there's yeah, no, it's there's still, still really there's good. There's still that. And the season is still not lost, but we're just trying to piece it together because it's kind of hard to analyze this one because we know what's wrong, and we're not sure if Zidane knows what's wrong. And I think that's – yeah. Which totally. We're just waiting for that aha moment. Be like, oh, okay, we found the solution. Let's let's just go. Let's, right. let's, let's stream and if the solution together. is like, it's time to to bring Tavares and some of these people and more, and Zidane won't do that, then I actually do think it might be time for Zidane to to move on from Madrid, not before the season ends, but if if this just has to continue, because this is a team that is um, built to create a long term like success, like built to create long term success, and if he's not willing to help develop those players then it's time to go get someone who who will work with us to do it. But his career has been all about developing these players. So I don't really – I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm really, really hopeful that Zidane you know, decides to make make some moves and, and try to change things up and and bring in some of these goddamn players. I just – Ceballos is – everyone has been crying out for it. Oh, all right. I We could rant all night about it, but um, I don't think there's anything else constructive to add at all about it. So – we're, Until, we're a month, um, almost a month away from the PSG game. And yeah. I would hope that we just, whether you believe La Liga's lost or not, that's fine. But build some kind of momentum heading into that game, for the love of God. Yeah. Like, just figure oh it, figure something out. We should do Don't, patron shout-outs, I mean, because though. Yeah, let's do patron shout-outs. And then, Kian, why don't you uh, tell everyone what's coming up? Do you have any, if you have any... Um, uh, extra shows this week if uh, you know all that stuff would be great we have uh, we have Villarreal I think is our next La Liga opponent if I'm not mistaken um, so yeah. we're going to try to coordinate that preview podcast with uh, SB Nation's Villarreal website um, which is they're always fun to talk to Villarreal USA I think it's called um, yeah. so Alan Dodson has Alan been on Dodson, the show yeah. many times <laughs> yeah um, other than that um not sure. We, I think Diego and I will probably talk about the Coutinho signing tomorrow on the Churros y Tacticas podcast. 
if you guys are interested in that. Um, do you have any LFF stuff coming up? Yeah, I mean, Liz is going to come on to talk about her Milan article and a couple other things. Um, Are you going to take that question I sent you? Not question, but that take I sent you about Patreon? Oh, yeah. We have a lot of really good takes um, that that we actually got this week because people are kind of going crazy, which is really cool. I really – and shout out to the guy who is extremely upset that Om and I did a podcast for patrons um, because, you know, you can't both – like Real Madrid and uh, expect to make any money from doing journalism about Real Madrid if you're a real fan. So shout out to that guy. I mean, you know, show me the lie though, Keon. Neither of us actually like Real Madrid, right? <laughs> We're in it for the money. It's Give all about all the money. money. The... <laughs> Let's talk about money. Let's talk about patrons. Uh, if you really yes. like the show and you want to support our greed, um, please become a patron. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. Honestly, guys, um, without you, like, you know, thanks for putting us in this position. And thank you for supporting us. Your financial help has actually helped us both get microphones, um, headsets and, and software and stuff like that. And um, it's, you know, just we appreciate your support. So as you know, you get different rewards if you become a patron. And uh, one of those rewards is getting guaranteed questions. Another one could be uh, an article of your choice from me and um, and so forth. So. Shout out to all of our patrons. I think, I don't know, I lost count, but we have a lot. Um, we have, I'll tell you the number in a sec. We have 220 patrons. It's unbelievable. Um, but one of the rewards you get if you become a patron is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. Shout out to all these amazing $10 patrons. Frederick Sundros, Doug Chisholm, Leon Stavronakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Gulad Ishmael, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Atiri, Ian Marley, Andrew Gomez, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obeyed, Daniel Smith, Solomon Ortiz, and Jeanette. Thank you all so much, really. The real MVPs. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Um, All right, so until until next show, um, a la Madrid. A la Madrid. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.